Yeah, the girls in polite in the club every night. That's how it goes when you Hollywood perfect. Thank you for tuning in to Adversity University, and welcome to class. Hey everyone, this is Sean, and this is a little bit overdue, but I, uh, a couple weeks late now, I want to give a big shout out to co-host here, Garrett Metcalf. He won the inaugural game, first game in history for Long Island University, and it may not sound like a lot, but you know, this is a school that I'm pretty sure didn't even have a club hockey program last year, and they started putting this team together very late, and it's a lot of uh, you know ragtag guys who had to transfer from other schools or they're fresh out of junior. They definitely have the least college hockey experience. And in that game specifically, they were outshot at least two to one. So I want to say congrats to G and great job winning the first game in history. Not sure very many schools can do that. Yeah, I mean, maybe next time give me a heads up that you're going to give me a shout. I don't really know what to say, but thank you. I, I appreciate it. Everyone loves surprises, G. I don't want to hear that. That's true. Fair enough. All right, second surprise, big shout out to G, uh, top 100 prospects to watch in NCAA hockey this year. So we're proud of him, and I want to share his accomplishments, even though he definitely doesn't want me to right now. So I'm going to have to share some of Sean's here soon, too, so the fans get ready. <laughs> so jumping into the interview, had uh, our second baseball player in a row. It's been fun to see this sport a little bit closer up and talk to some really elite players. Um, I think he had 429 strikeouts in his high school career, which is pretty ridiculous. And uh, just a crazy road, though. It hasn't come easy for him. And now that we see him on the other side, he has a, a great attitude about it. And Garrett, what did you think about Jake today? First of all, I love Jake's accent. I think it's super cool. I thought that it added a nice little touch um, to the podcast. Also, the baseball lingo you know, just words that we, you wouldn't necessarily hear on an everyday basis. I know we kind of have our own hockey language, but that was really cool. But diving into the interview, Jake was unbelievable. Um, had faced a ton of adversity, which is obviously what we're all about here. But just the way that he responded to it and knew it at the end of the day and in his heart that um, he wasn't ready to give up the game that he'd worked so hard for. And um, sometimes I sit here and think about that, too some game that I put so much time and effort into and battled back from injuries and um, all the rest. How am I going to be able to give that up? I think that'll be a really hard day that me and the game of hockey are going to have to part ways. But um, some great insight for younger younger kids, especially in baseball, but in any sport that you're playing to just stick through it. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. Yeah, you talk about the sport and how it does mean so much. But at the same time, one of his great pieces of advice was that you can't let sports or your career define you as a person. And I think that when you do put so much time into something and, you know, you're not performing at the level that you know you can, it weighs on you very heavily. And that's for him what started anxiety and some things that you definitely don't want in your life. So that perspective and that mindset shift that baseball wasn't what made him a good person, right? That's what helped him you know, kind of get out of that funk. And I thought that was really good advice. I think as we get older too, we start to realize that the sports, and we talked about it before in different episodes, but the sport or, or sports teach us so much about life, not necessarily exactly what you just said. It doesn't define us. We're not just hockey players, we're people. But I think the adversity that sports puts you through at such a young age and, and, and the experiences that you have to deal with and go through, I think that they mature you a lot. And as, as um, Jake said, 
it's very humbling and sports can humble you pretty fast, especially if you get a big hag, if you're, you're skilled at a sport, you're doing really well, the sport can humble you and it can teach you that in different situations, especially in life to stay more grounded, stay even keeled um, and, and continue on. I think I definitely saw it in my time at school, you know, some of the, the, the regular students who weren't athletes, if things got too overwhelming, they, they just wouldn't do it. Like they wouldn't turn in assignments. They would just, Oh, you know, I, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to try, you know, it's that, that mindset from sports that, you know, I don't care if you're down nine zero, you play as hard as you can, you do your absolute best. And if you have to stay up all night finishing your assignments, you know, that's, that's what it takes. And another side of that is, you know, once you do really well on a test, you just got to start preparing for the next one, right? It's like in sports, just because you played great and you won a game, the next game starts zero zero. And so I think that those are things that people don't realize that they learned from sports, but it was just natural for me at least. And, you know, when I would see other students who kind of didn't have those same instincts, I guess you would call them those learned instincts from sports. It was just, it was really weird for me to see. And I know that, you know, other guys on my team were the same way, you know, you don't have that much time in the day to get everything done, but we're going to do it. Like there's, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts. We're so used to hanging around people like that though, too, that that's the norm for us. So when we see anything outside of that, it's like, wow, that's kind of, it's like a culture shock to us. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, one of those blessings that you don't really expect from sports, but it's uh, something that I'm really glad that was instilled in me at a young age. Let's kick it on over to Jake McDonald. Monument Hockey Academy provides the highest level of developmental training available today. With intense focus on individual skills including skating, stick handling, shooting, game awareness, and competition, MHA offers players the opportunity to take advantage of up to 15 hours of on and off ice time per week to continue their personal development outside of team-specific training. Our coaches bring Tier 1, college, and pro experience and are trained in the latest and most cutting-edge programming in the world. Our academic support staff provides guidance and coaching with a variety of educational platforms, including online, in-person, and hybrid models, while ensuring students' NCAA eligibility from middle school through graduation. At MHA, our goal is to provide an opportunity for every player to reach his or her maximum potential, both on and off the ice. For more information or to schedule a visit, go to monumenthockey.com. Today's guest was a three-time All-State pitcher, three-time district MVP, and 2016 Texarkana Gazette Pitcher of the Year. He holds the all-time Maud High School strikeout record with 429 in his career, also totaling eight no-hitters. In college, he helped the Red Raiders win two Big 12 championships and appear in the 2018 NCAA College World Series. Thank you for joining the podcast, Jake McDonald. Hey, uh, thank you guys for having me. We're excited to have you. And Jake, you grew up in a town with a population of 1,038 people. Your graduating class totaled 38 kids. What was it like growing up in such a small town? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it's definitely different. Maud's a, a special place. It's kind of become a kind of a legendary place, I guess, for me in my college years. Everybody talks about it. And, you know, I graduate, I grew up with the same kids my whole life. Um, and people really can't fathom how small it is. We have a one yellow flashing light. And that's it. So it's uh, definitely different, but you know, it's very special to me, and uh, I'm very thankful for it, at least. 
Yeah, we were talking earlier. I mentioned to you how I played my junior hockey down in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And the drive from Colorado to there, there's a bunch of small towns like that that you have to come all the way to a complete stop at. And uh, I, I definitely can't imagine what it's like living there. What do you think was something special that you take away from that that someone who didn't grow up in a small town like that wouldn't really know about? I think it's just the like the bond you build with guys, if that makes sense. I know a lot of people have the same friends, but literally from talking about since we were this big elementary to high school, it just you're just close with them and uh, you know, you get a chance to play all sports. It's like a culture, you know, the Friday night football in small towns and you know, driving thirty minutes to the closest Walmart, it's like it just becomes like a way of life. And so it just you just kind of build a bond and then say that I love that place because um so not many people do make it out of there. So it's it's been they've had my back the whole time. So that's been good. Yeah, it's really cool to sort of be a little bit of a, a symbol, I guess, an icon for the people you grew up with. And you were talking about high school sports. So I read that you were a four year letter winner in football, track and field, baseball, as well as three years of basketball. And where I grew up, there's only three uh three like time periods you can play sports there's the the fall the winter and the spring so how did you play four sports yeah well you know at mod you you really don't have a choice to you're gonna play everything because we just don't have enough guys and when we had like like 15 people on our football team i see here and uh so really just balance i'd go to basketball practice to go play catch after that and then we would some days go have track too so Sometimes I'll be practicing three sports in one semester or one like time period. And uh, I definitely think it helped, you know, getting to play every sport. I think college coaches like that. I know a lot of guys are so sports specific nowadays. And I think it just builds like camaraderie, like, like being with, uh, being able to play multiple sports, I think is big. And uh, it was definitely a challenge, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely jealous a little bit now that you mentioned that. I, just picture, you know, if Garrett and I played something else together, like football, or it would just be so weird to me to not see him out there at goalie pads. It'd be funny. Well, I yeah, think as you mentioned playing multiple sports adds to the versatility of, of an athlete. And I, I mean, I didn't grow up in a small town, but I would imagine that if you're good at one sport and the other coach of different sports knows you're athletic, they're like, oh, I want that guy on our, on, you know, our team or whatever, whatever you're playing so they can compete in, you know, state championships and all the rest. Yeah, of course. Like I said, I, I could not imagine looking my – so our basketball coach, he coaches football, and he coaches – you know, he coaches baseball with it too. And I could not imagine looking in the eyes saying, no, nah, coach, I'm not, I'm not going to play football this year. I don't, it, it wouldn't have, He would have laughed, and it, would, it wouldn't have been allowed. So, <laughs> But it all worked out. I, I have a lot of good memories playing other sports with those guys. and So it, I wouldn't trade it for nothing for sure. Besides, uh, well, I guess bass fishing, fishing is a sport, but um, is mod where you really got into bass fishing? And, um, you know, do you still bass fish today? Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Like I said, growing up, I used to fish with my dad all the time. We used to live on like 1,600 acres and a bunch of, you know, different ponds and stuff. So as a kid, I'm out there fishing and stuff. But really when I went to – I really got into it when I went out to Lubbock. And I know it's odd because West Texas doesn't know for fishing or anything, but I, when I got hurt, actually and i had some time on my hand i was like hmm what to do i was like oh well. so i started doing it with my good friend erickson landing and stephen gingery he um cause they were both hurt too at the time and we just kind of it just kind of grew from there and when i 
I went this morning actually, and it was cold, but it was fun. <laughs> That's a unique little way to, you know, find the silver lining in an injury. A lot of people kind of, you know, have the woe is me attitude and you use that free time to, you know, find another unique hobby that you can carry with you. Yeah, of course. Now, like I said, it gives, definitely kept our mind off not being able to play and stuff. And that was obviously, that's what we were there for. And, uh, but it was fun. It worked out. Like I said, I'm back home right now in East Texas. So I've been taking advantage of it because in New Orleans, where I live at now, it's not, <laughs> not many opportunities. <laughs> yeah, I love fishing in, uh, up in Colorado where Sean's from and I played for a while. Fly fishing's really big. Um, oh, yeah. I think there's a lot more action on the line personally, but bass fishing is always fun. But it's funny because there's a kid I, I went to camp with one year and he went to Western Michigan and he was talking about how he fishes at school. And we were kind of talking about it, talking about fishing. He's like, yeah, I'm on the bass fishing team. I'm like, bass fishing? They got bass fishing at school? That's awesome. So he was on the hockey team and then he would, he would go to bass fishing tournaments and he said wow. it was unbelievable. I think that'd be so much fun being, you know, an NCAA sport just fishing. Yeah, that's crazy. I know my high school, I'm actually mad at them. I think the year after I graduated, they got a bass fishing team. So, but they said, they, I see them on Facebook and stuff all the time, them competing and stuff. So I think it would be pretty cool. For you sure. think you would have had time to play five sports in high school? <laughs> yeah, I think I would have put uh, bass fishing over all of them. Who knows? No, that wouldn't have been good. I don't think your coaches was very good with all that five spent on the sports. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think our coaches would have liked that. <laughs> I've been on the water too much. So when you did finally move on from Mod, what was that culture shock like when you moved away from that small town to Texas Tech U where the enrollment alone is over 36,000 students? Man, I was in a different world. Uh, I remember moving into the dorms, and I was like, dang, this is quite a bit of people. And I didn't really understand that there was about – another mile worth of campus. And I was like, Oh my Lord. I, well, first I walked to class, there's more people walking around than my entire city. Yeah, it was definitely different. You know, <clears throat> the coaches at tech coach J Bob Thomas, he, uh, you know, he came out to mod and stuff. He watched me pitch. And so I, I am thankful they believed in a little small East Texas kid. Cause it was definitely a culture shock, but I had a good group of guys that I came in with like Josh Young. You talked to him, you know, he's a great dude. And I, you know, I look up to him from the beginning and uh, so I really, it just, started to work uh, I kind of toned it down a little bit because it was different being away from home for the first time definitely was a little homesick um, but the adjustment was pretty easy because luckily for me being a baseball player I kind of already had my own friend group so I think that was huge if I was to just move to Lubbock without anyone it'd be kind of difficult was there anything that the guys thought was kind of weird that you did or you know something small that you probably should have known about, but you didn't just because you're from such a small town. <laughs> I don't know what this has to do with the town, but I guess it's just, I'm not <laughs> cultured enough, but they talked about Lululemon. I don't know if you like the brand. And I was like, where do you get that from target? And I had no idea, <laughs> but I found that out. So I got clowned for that. But I, and I said, everybody just kind of made fun of Ma. not made fun of it, but just talked about it. Cause they're all mostly from Dallas and Houston and San Antonio, bigger places. So, but it was, it was cool. It was fun. For sure. So your journey in baseball has been bumpy to say the least. You've suffered two season-ending injuries. Uh, what were these injuries like, and how did they affect you physically and mentally? Oh, man, I feel like I could write a book about this. Uh, long story short, my story in a nutshell, 
you know, had a really good high school career. Luckily, I was blessed with a good group of guys, teammates, you know, coaches. And, you know, the sky was the limit for me. I ended up choosing Texas Tech. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to sign in the draft. I guess that was 2016. And I turned it down, which I was okay with it. And I decided to go to Tech, had an okay freshman year. You know, at one point we were number one in the country. So it was just awesome to get innings, period. And I had 20-something. I can't remember how many. And uh, had a good summer that summer in uh, California for the Santa Barbara Foresters uh, with Josh Young, actually. Me and him were teammates. And uh, came back sophomore year fall. Just did awesome. I was living the dream. I was just doing so well baseball-wise. I remember me and my dad sitting there talking about it, like, you're here, Jake. Like, this is it. Like, finally. And so then I go home for Christmas. Everything was fine come back home or come back for the spring, you know, getting ready for the season. And I noticed before I start and I just didn't feel right. And I was like, Man, what's going on? Cause I've never had arm problems before ever. And I remember a long toss in an outfield and I could not, I had nothing behind it. I was throwing the ball. I mean, 90 feet and I was just like, Jesus, what is going on? And I was on the mound and, uh, you know, I noticed my velo was down. I was throwing <laughs> 85 84 and I'm like Jesus something's not right and so of course I kind of got through it and I remember throwing a pitch and I just felt something just kind of I just yeah I felt something my arm kind of go and I was like well that didn't feel right so obviously it was done you know I woke up the next morning could not move my arm to say the least um so I was pretty obviously I was stressed I didn't want to tell my parents didn't know what to happen so Obviously, long story short, I don't want to get too much more into it. I missed that season, and it was unfortunate because I had such a big role planned. But I was like, okay, that's fine. Everyone misses a year at some point, I feel like, some, especially pitchers with inj arm injuries. So I come back the next year, and that's when it all started. The uh, I guess you'd say the anxiety side of things. I think I put so much pressure on myself to come back because when I came back, my velo was not there. I was spraying the ball everywhere. I just was not myself, and <clears throat> so that was – I had a tough fall, I guess that's my red shirt sophomore year, and then I go home – I finally started figuring out a little bit, um, getting healthy, I'm throwing hard again. I go up for Christmas break, and I end up shattering my throwing hand in a freak accident. Uh, long story short, I won't get too much into it again, but my dad and I were attacked by a crazy dude. Uh in Nacogdoches on the, in like at a gas station, not, and had a gun pointed at my face and everything. It was a scary situation, to say the least. So called Coach Tadlock. I'm like, Coach, I told him what happened. He was like, well, just get back to Lubbock. Let's rehab it. We'll be fine. I was like, okay, like, that's fine. So I get back to Lubbock, and I'm actually sure I'm in a cast, whatever, for how many weeks, and I, I'm just not ready. And I come back, and I'm just, my hand hurts. I'm spraying the ball everywhere can't throw a strike putting so much pressure on myself thinking this can't happen like can't miss another year so long coach Talat was like Jake you know we're going to redshirt you again which I mean I agreed with the decision just because I was not healthy and I wasn't myself so that did suck and it really I was like I'm going to transfer because I finally decided to transfer because I was like man I want a fresh start because obviously it, my career had not went this plan there to say the least and so it was hard definitely being on my own because I was officially out of the program, didn't have anyone to throw with, 
I mean, I, I can remember vividly throwing to a brick wall at the rec center because I had no one else to throw with. Um, they're working out at the rec center and, uh, I finally decided, I finally got some, uh, lined up at a school called uh, Louisiana Lafayette in Lafayette, Louisiana. You know, coach Robichaud there was, uh, he was the head coach at the time and he, uh, passed away sadly. But, uh, so that's why I went there because of him. And when he passed away, they brought in a new coach. And I really, at this point, I didn't know what to expect because I had not faced live hitters, not done anything. And so I get down to Louisiana and that was probably the lowest point of my life. I guess I'd say with the anxiety and depression side of things, I couldn't explain it. I felt alone, you know, baseball wise, I was not who I am to say the least. I can remember just, it was so embarrassing because I couldn't throw a strike. I couldn't even, I didn't even want to play catch at one point. And it's just inexplainable how I go from three to four years earlier being on top of a mountain to at the bottom low and people may think it's dramatic, you know, but when something's your life, like baseball is mine and it's not there, it takes a toll on you mentally and physically. And, um, so it was hard. So I ended up getting cut from there and I can remember vividly sitting in my room, just, I was, I didn't know what to think. And I was not myself. I felt alone, sad. And I was finally was just like, I wanted to quit. So obviously I, I was like, man, I, I'm at the miss three straight seasons of whatever this is anymore. So I decided to uh, talk to my parents and we ultimately decided to hang it up. I decided to hang it up because I just was like, you know, man, I just, uh, I just, my heart wasn't in it. I was so embarrassed. I was so tired of just working so hard for nothing. And so I finally, I guess after, uh, sorry for rambling, by the way, I'm kind of, <laughs> Um, oh, don't be we want to understand the details of your story yeah yes sir so uh long story short i decided i had to have something to do so i got into coaching i get high school coach there's a high school st thomas moore and i was got in touch with their coach because i wanted to make some money wanted to have my hands full because i was just going to school at ul at this time just get my degree and you know, being around those kids, I don't think they understand the impact they had on me. They, I kind of started to love the game again. And I was like, man, I can still do this. Like, there's no reason I can go from what I was to – so I ended up hooking up with a guy named Justin Robichaud. He is Coach Robichaud's who passed away son. He played at UL. Lafayette's a legend there, and he has some facilities. So I was like – I told him my story, told him what I wanted. I was like, Coach, let's fix this. And so we – grind. I mean, because I remember before that, I remember throwing, like I said, into a brick wall at Lafayette, too. I had no one to throw with, nowhere to lift. And I finally got in touch with him. I was like, man, I want to play again. So, you know, he believed in me. So that was awesome. And, you know, finally I started throwing bullpens and stuff. I was back up to 94, 95. I was like, I'm back. Like, let's go. And But at this point, I'm like, well, Jake, you haven't played in three years. Um, so what school is going to take a chance on you? So I ended up going to Twitter. I posted um, – a video of me pitching and I was just like kind of was like you know gonna graduate this year looking to play somewhere next year I mean I did I just wanted a shot you know my career definitely has been shaky to say the least and I didn't expect much but the video ended up I tweeted the flat ground and pitching ninja it's two baseball accounts and I ended up having like 118,000 views I got calls from probably every division one school as humbly as I say that in the country and it was just I guess they just wanted to hear my story and 
I guess people liked what I'd been through and I still hadn't given up. And uh, long story short, Tulane came and watched me pitch in Lafayette at a, in a bullpen to a high school kid because that's all I could ever find to catch me. And they loved me. So I ended up ultimately choosing Tulane. Coach Ullman came down there and uh, I can't say enough. They have saved my baseball career to say the least. And uh, so. That's a crazy story. And I've got a lot of questions, but I guess I'll start with, uh, was it your idea to do the tweet? I've heard, you know, in the hockey world, guys will try and email coaches directly to try and advocate for themselves. Uh, did you just, did you think that it would ever get to that magnitude of over a hundred thousand views? And I saw some people tweet to them and I didn't think much of it, but I guess that app is usually for high school kids, I guess, trying to get noticed. And I guess when they saw my name and I guess people knew who I was and they saw where I'd been. And so they were just interested, I guess. And so it was an honor to get to talk to everybody and uh, share my insight, like some of my story and what I would like to do. And so, and Tulane called and it was just, uh, I just thought it was a perfect place for me. I believe in what Coach Hewitt and them have there. And I'm just so grateful they believed in me because I can remember vividly, like I said, being at the bottom. I just, as you y'all, y'all, you guys played sports, when you lose to something that you love and it, baseball, my biggest problem is I let my failures as a, at baseball define me as a person. And, you know, that's not fair to anyone. And so that, that's why I was so low, I think. And, you know, I really, the main reason I decided to come back because regret is something no man should live with. And I just thought to myself, like, now you're going to regret this for the rest of your life. And, but I was so scared of failing again. And I guess, like I said, I owe a lot of stuff to Coach Robichaux in Louisiana. He's, he helped me out so much. And, but now we're here. <laughs> There's probably a bunch of cookie cutter quotes I can say, and that's an unbelievable story, as Sean mentioned. But, you know, you talked about how you didn't know how many coaches would take a chance on you, and you got a call from a bunch of coaches. Um, But one thing I want to say is I believe that adversity creates character. Um, And I think that for you to continue to keep grinding through all these injuries and all the bullshit that you were kind of fed that obviously no one wants to have to go through, the resiliency that that shows to a coach and – the way that that experience can apply to an everyday game and the season and, you know, dealing with school and also you being an older guy and imparting that wisdom on younger people, that's a valuable asset for any team to have. And I think that that was probably overlooked in in your scenario. You're thinking about the skill of you as a baseball player. Clearly you have the skill as a baseball player, but it's you as a person and the value that you're going to bring as a person and a leader to that team that I think is, even more valuable than just the skill you have and your ability as a baseball player. Yeah. Yeah, man, I a hundred percent agree. And I, I thank you for that. I, uh, I like to say adversity does not define a man, how we respond does. And I believe I've just kept responding and, uh, you know, it's worked out for me. I'm uh, back to my old self, to say the least. I'm doing very well. Like I said, and you talk about the bullshit I was fed. I, I trusted Louisiana. Of course, Coach Robichaux passed away, so everything changed for a lot of people. And the coach that came in there, you know, I don't want to talk bad. But he just – he believed – he preaches second chances, and I was the kid who needed my second chance, and I didn't get it there. And that was unfortunate. They didn't believe in me. So, But I guess it was just kind of fueled the fire because a lot of people do believe in me. And I just thought it was unfair. And 
But I, it worked out in the best because I ended up at a great spot at Tulane. And that's one thing Coach Jewett just touched about. And I've had so many younger guys tell me, like, Jake, you've taught me so much. I, they definitely told me I'm a role model to them, and they all were, like, they're thankful for me. And Coach Jewett told me, he's like, Jake, it's so much more than just a baseball player. It's it's what you bring to our team outside of, the, like, obviously, you know, ta- talent-wise, but more than that. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of intangibles that – add a lot of value to team, you know, from the outside looking in, you can't always tell what's going on in the locker room, but people who have been around it enough. You know that those guys who have gone through the hard times are the ones that can help pick someone up. I know uh, when I was a freshman in college, you know, getting healthy scratched is never easy. And, um, you know, some older guys who were, you know, huge parts of the team had been through the same thing as me when I was younger or similar adversity. So it's always helpful to hear from them, you know, Hey, stick with it. You're on the right path. You know, there's a bigger plan to this team and you down the road, you're going to be a huge part, but this year you're a huge part too. You know, even if you're not yeah. playing every night. To me, the, the skill, especially if you're playing a division one sport, you're obviously skilled enough to be there. I think that where the, the difference lies in being able to stay clear minded between the years. And I think that's what really separates the good players from the great players or the great players from the bad ones. And typically you see that a lot more with mature, older uh, kids in college because they've been through it. They've experienced these adversities. They've experienced the close games, the tough ones. They know what it takes to win those close games or to to battle through those tough times. And the young kids really don't. And like I just said, the skill level for all of them is there. It's figuring out how to be able to, you know, get to that skill level through the tough times instead of folding like a cheap tent. Yeah. Man, I, I agree completely. That's one thing I try to tell our freshmen because especially I, I was a freshman once, seems like forever ago, but I know what it's like. You just want to do so good and you put so much pressure on yourself and you just want to, you just, I'm like, man, you, you're here for a reason. Don't change what you've been doing. And, you know, the biggest thing, especially being a pitcher like I am, you got to be fearless on the bump. That It's a lonely world in that circle. And you feel like, that everyone's watching you every single move you make. And that's one thing I just want to tell our younger guys. You just be a warrior out there, man. Like people feed bad body language and they can sense when some scared. And that's why I'm, I'm really proud of our guys because they are just fearless competitors, supreme. And that's one thing I think our entire team is just full of competitors. Man, that's why I love our team. Everyone's got a story. Everyone. We're all a bunch of transfers, JUCO guys freshmen who were kind of overlooked and we just get it done man we are uh i think they were 16 and 2 last year and you know, we're gonna be even better this year and like i said i've been lucky enough to go to omaha and like that and this team can compete with anybody truly and so i'm excited for that and i think it's just like the we don't like to say the word culture really it's just we're, we're just all body in man we really are and so i thank those guys for that you don't like saying culture i mean i'm a big culture guy and i'm a big believer that culture you know precedes positive result or results um and i also think that culture at the end of the day is far more important than the skill level that you have on the team because if you have those guys that you just mentioned that you know may have not had the most smooth path but they're uh, resistant and they you know they want to prove people wrong i mean you got guys like that that are bought in you're going to get the hardest working guys you're going to you know, guys that show up every day, give 100%. And when you go out in a game, uh, you know, they, they want to prove people wrong and they want to work their asses off. And when you have a, a whole bunch of guys buying into that, I mean, that's that's a deadly Special. combination. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's why I'm going to tell you, our ace, Braden Oltoff, he's a junior college kid, had no offers out of high school, was going to go be a frat guy at some college, and he ended up getting a, some, you know, a, an opportunity to go pitch at junior college. Now he led – last year he led the country in K's and stuff like that because Coach Jewett and then believe in him. And it just says stuff about our coaches because we're a bunch of guys who were at Kentucky, at Texas Tech, at Gonzaga, you know, at Tennessee, different places that we just kind of got like let go of, I guess you'd say. And uh, that's one thing I'm very happy about. Like you said, everyone's just got a different story. And I think that's why we're so special. And I've, I've just tried to relay my past experiences for our freshmen and stuff and try to be a leader. So it sounds like you've all kind of rallied around that, you know, mutual. I don't know if the word is like rejection, but the mutual. Uh, you know, non-traditional path of not going straight from high school to, you know, the same division one school and staying the whole time. sounds like that's something that you guys really embrace. And that chip on your shoulder is something that probably, you know, motivates you to work a little harder at BP, motivates you to work harder in the bullpen, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Like I said, all of us, when we go into college, wherever it is, we don't expect to something to change. Like I didn't go to Texas tech thinking I'd be in new Orleans, Louisiana five years later. I had no, I, I figured I'd be in pro ball by now and living life. But, you know, as I'm saying, God works in crazy ways because now I'm about to get a master's from Tulane University and have a big role this year for our team and get an opportunity at the next level. So, you know, I think of all the lowest times I was at and it it worked out crazy enough and I'm thankful for that. So it's crazy. You went from retiring from baseball, hanging up the cleats, and now you said that you're looking forward to playing professional in the upcoming years? Oh yeah, yeah, yes, sir, man. Like I said, it's I've been getting scouted since I was in you know high school. I can remember thirty plus scouts in our stands at Little Old Mod, Texas, and you know we didn't even have a bullpen at Mod. We I can remember warming up throwing a flat ground in the outfield before I pitch, and these people people from Mod had no idea. I mean, I'm the first player to ever make it out of Mod. I guess you'd say, especially baseball wise. So you know, and being in a school like Texas Tech, and then out Tulane. I mean, the scouts know who you are, so it's nice. Plus, having guys like Braden Oltoff and Trevor Mender and different guys on our team, you know, scouts come for them, so I'm going to be there too. Like, who's this old guy? Oh, I remember him. And so I'm just thankful for that, and uh, I just want to play this game as long as I can, for sure. During your story, uh, you know, you mentioned that you retired and then after you said you regretted it, but when you initially retired, did you feel, you know, that there was pressure lifted off of you or did you not fully get that because you, you still had that itch to be a part of the game? I think I, I, it didn't go away. I think especially when I went back home, everyone's like, what happened? Where are you at? Where are you at? And I was just like, man, I, I think back to all the little kids that at high school and so they would show up on my front doorstep asking me to sign their Texas Tech hats and so this didn't happen. I, was, I thought about them. I thought about my family. I was like, I thought about that little kid of me that was when I was their age, I looked at the people and I was like, I can't quit. It's just unacceptable. I was not raised better than that. And I wouldn't say I quit, but I was choosing to walk away. But I, that's an excuse I gave myself, which I thought was bull crap because I don't, I think I was making excuses and I'm glad that it, I nutted up <laughs> and, you know, it is hard to be the man that never gives up. And so I am proud of that. And, I'm thankful, like, you know, my story has given me the opportunity to, you know, I've gone to high schools and told my story and 
you know, talked about adversity and handling it and being a better teammate and better man. And so that's one thing. It it's had a lot of you know, I've had a lot of downtimes, but it has been a very blessing in disguise, to say the least. Talk about that pressure and that anxiety building up. Was there anything that you did do that, you know, maybe you could give as, you know, advice to a listener going through anxiety currently? Yeah. I mean, like I said, mine was definitely in sports. And so I get it. That's a very, people can see from the outside, like, okay, dude, it's not, but really you think about it and, you know, it is a big deal, baseball, whatever sport you play. But the thing, biggest thing advice I can say is the thing that made me realize it's not life or death situation. It's, and that's what I made it. So if my, in my head, if you go out there and have a bad game, like it's okay. Like your life's not over. And that's what I made it seem bigger than it is. And really, I just want people to know that they are going to this in this game, you know, worried about throwing strikes and playing catch. You know, we, they call it the yips. I think's the word for it, which we don't like to use that word. I mean, you're just not alone. That's all I can say. And uh, there's so many people that go through the same stuff and no matter how badass you think you are you get humbled in, in baseball very easily and so I just want people to know that they can talk to me they can I mean I'd love to share like what I did to handle through it you know really the biggest thing was just being fearless and stop fearing failure and that was my biggest thing that's what I did I was so worried about messing up and now it's just I'm back to my warrior mentality and I just am fearless out there you know Josh Young he helped me out a lot through this process too <laughs> Had he gone through similar things or how was he? No, no, but Josh was just our leader. He was, he's the best player I've ever played with bar none. And everyone looked up to him. That's what people don't see about him. It's behind the scenes, like a brain. It's not a, it, you got to treat a brain like a quad. You got to rehab it and you got to build it up like a muscle. It is. And, uh, you know, mentally stronger for sure. Yeah. I definitely understand you were talking earlier about how, you know, once you're worried about failure, you play worse. And I've noticed that, you know, when I first get to a new team, so in junior hockey and college hockey, you know, my first few days, months there aren't very good because I'm so worried about, oh, the coach sees me make one mistake, it's over. And, you yeah. know, when you're playing free, playing, you know, not careless, but, you know, just enjoying what you're doing, that's when you play so much better. Yeah, man, I'm just saying, like, if you go out there – on the mound scared to scared to fail or you're gonna fail i mean you got to be like i said fearless that's my biggest thing i got a tattoo on my wrist that says fear is not real it's just like a mindset and that's in everything in life and so really i think the adversity that i went through made me a better man and better competitor in all things of life and because you know as we all know we all have adversity in our life and whether that be family stuff and you know, off the field, on the field. And, you know, we talked about advice a minute ago. Another piece of advice I could say is that your bad day, especially if it's in sports, it's really not a bad day if you think about it. If considering I put myself, I'm sitting here feeling bad because I had a bad game pitching and there's a kid down the street who hasn't had a meal in three days. It's all about perspective. I'm like, that's what I try to think about. Like, I'm really blessed at the end of the day, regardless of this. And it made me kind of feel selfish that I – was so down about my pitching at a division one school. And I think about kids in my hometown who haven't, who doesn't have a dad or a mom and are struggling. They're homeless. And I just, that's all about perspective, I guess. Yeah. I think it's all about perspective and taking everything with a grain of salt. And I love that you've, you know, taken a step back and looked looked at life in a 
through a different lens, I think that that's important to do. And as you just mentioned, we think it's bad, but it, it always could be a heck of a lot worse. Um, it, uh, one thing I want to touch on too, that you and Sean were mentioning, and to me, it's the craziest thing because you go to practice, right? You're pitching on the mound. You feel great. If you throw a bad pitch, you know, whatever, I got another pitch to throw. Then you add 10, 20, 30,000 fans in the stands and you throw a bad pitch and you kind of got the, as you just said, the yips, and you don't like using that. You got the yips a little bit, you're shaking, you're like, oh, I can't do it again. Then you throw another bad pitch. It's almost good to look at the game as like if nobody's there. And I know it's really hard to do. It's a lot easier to say. But if you can put yourself in the shoes of I do this every day in practice and that's where I'm getting the preparation for the game time, then it's really all between the years then because you have the reps. You know you can throw a strike. You know you can throw all the pitches that you want. Um, But it's really just staying calm within yourself and, and that surrounding. Yeah, uh, you know, Coach Coach Hewitt has said it before. It's it doesn't matter where you're at. It's still sixty feet six inches. You know, I think about it. If I'm pitching at at the at Yankee Stadium, it's still the same distance as it is at Mod High School, and <clears throat> it's really no different. And so that's a big thing. If you think about it like that, and I was struggling through a lot of stuff. I just thought about like, dude, like just act like you're pitching at Mod against a high school team. And it, it, I know it sounds crazy, and you know, just breathing and think about that. It is a sense of like, it's like kind of, kind of calms you down. Like I've been doing this my whole life. It's muscle memory, muscle memory. And you get in a, you know, you get in a flow, everybody who's pitched, you know what it's like to be in a groove and you just feel like you're not even throwing the ball and it's just wham, wham, wherever you want it. And so that's a big thing. Like you said, it's all the, it's not, it's no different to me pitching at a little league field versus Yankee stadium. It's still 60 feet, six inches. And that's why you got to stay, you know, tunneled in and, all the same just you and the catcher (laughs) yeah i think you could compare that to like a happy place or something i've actually been doing lately uh in the gym when i'm doing like a heavy set i'll lie to myself i'll get under the bar and like i'll tell myself it's 50 pounds lighter and it's honestly been working as crazy as it sounds like i think that mentally you set these restrictions on yourself and it's like okay i'm gonna do four reps no matter what the weight is that fourth rep is gonna be a little heavier so yeah, I had to be the governor, doing the mental governor. What? The mental governor. You ever heard on golf carts, you go golfing, they have governors on them. So it means you can't go past a certain speed because that governor keeps you from going a certain distance mm-hmm. or a certain speed. So yeah. David Goggins, I love his book. He talks about having mental governors on and you got to get rid of that fucking governor. So you can just do whatever you, you want to do. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I like that one. Uh, said, Really, I think, especially pitching wise, you got to be a badass motherfucker. You got to be badass out there. You got to be fearless, and you got to walk out there like you. You could not have your best stuff on some days, and and you just got to embrace the suck. It's at that point, like, so what? Like we're here. Like you got to work with what you got. If you're spraying the ball around the yard, I mean, around the plate, and just you can't feel bad for yourself. And I said, I think that's a big thing. And so you just got to say, so what? Bring it, bitch. Like, and bring it. That's what Coach Jewett said all the time. Bring it. So what? Like, we're here. And so it's just a little key, like, little mental cues and stuff for phrases and sayings. They've helped me a lot, too. And it's all, like, it all just varies person to person, I guess. <laughs> well, Jake, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on and share your story with our listeners. I It's a... Uh very unique and i wish we got a little more into the details there earlier because uh i know you thought you were rambling but that was a good story man uh yeah well thank you man like i said it's uh been a roller coaster but i said two lane 
they've saved everything about being baseball career. And I can't say enough about coach Jewett and our team. So yeah, no, it's, I'm, I'm just a kid from mod Texas. And I just hope that my story, it may not seem like much, but I hope if there's any other ball players going through what I went through, just you can do it. Anything, you know, if a skinny kid like me from mod can do what I've done, why not you? So thank you for listening to this episode of adversity university you can follow more news about adversity university on our social media pages our instagram handle is adversity underscore university our Twitter handle is adversity underscore UNIV, and our Facebook page is adversity university. If you know of any high level athlete or professional that has an interesting story of overcoming adversity and you think they should share it, you can email us at adversity university talk show at gmail.com. You can also use that email if you are interested in becoming a sponsor for adversity university. We look forward to bringing our listeners more content from interesting guests weekly. So stay tuned on social media to see who could be next and what our past guests are up to now.